You are tuned into the Story Behind the Business podcast, which is brought to you by Agency Media and the Westland Group. My name is Leyland Diano, and I am here with one of my co-hosts today, Joel McDonald. Yeah, we are missing our other co-host, Adam Bessie. However, we are joined with... Now, I feel like when I say this, people are going to think that I'm being derogatory or something, but we're with the owner of a social media company called That British Chick, Laura Little from New York City. Good afternoon, Laura. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? We're doing great. I got to start with the name. Tell us about the name and That British Chick and how your company came to be. Uh, Okay, so Laura Little is my real name. Um, and that British chick, I just for a laugh thought that it'd be kind of cute and it's just stuck. So it's a talking point. I didn't really, there wasn't really too much branding brain power that went into it. I just kind of was like, I need something and I pulled it out of the sky and then it just, you know, I'm so brilliant. It just stuck. (laughs) So what kind of reaction do you get to that name? Um, I mean, people like it. They dig it. It's kind of long to say on the phone, or it's a bit of a mouthful. But, um, you know, people, people like it. It's right cool. I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. It stands out for sure. It was easy to, it's easy to remember. Yeah. I mean, it's my, I guess it's my calling card for now, even though I should be, you know, that New Yorker something or other. Now I've been here so long. Right on. Well, maybe we'll just kind of break this up into sort of what we'll call pre-COVID and then post-COVID as far as what you guys are doing there. And so maybe you could just talk to us a little bit and our listeners about what you maybe traditionally normally do at that British chick. Yeah. So um, my specialty or my agency specialty is we work with startups or mid-sized businesses that are either pivoting or launching something new. Um, And the areas of expertise are Facebook ads, social media strategy, email strategy, um, kind of workflow from Facebook ads to landing pages. So it's sort of a 360 full circle, no websites, but pretty much anything you can think of regarding marketing is what we do. Right on. And um, maybe we can ask you, because we should maybe let our listeners know you are in New York City. And we were talking about it right before we started recording. Um, What a strange time this is in New York City. And I know you guys have been hit really hard there. And so it must must be difficult. But maybe for, for those of us that are not in New York, tell us a little bit about what it's like living in New York City right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's super strange. It's very quiet outside. There's not, there's nobody on the street. I mean, buses go past, they're completely empty. Um, And, you know, just going to the grocery store is weird. Just everything is strange. You know, people don't, aren't going to their offices. So it's from, you know, we, we went from like hustle and bustle of New York, which is very fast paced to just this really weird silence. So are things like the subways still running in New York? Uh, They are. I actually haven't been on the subway um, in about, I don't know, two months. (laughs) So I've just, everywhere I've needed to go, I've been on foot. So I haven't really even been, you know, anywhere to see what's happening other than an essential, you know, running an essential errand. So we're we're way over on the West Coast. We're in Vancouver. 
everything that we hear about New York, what's going on right now, you know, we just get from news. So, you know, you never know what's real or not. What's the kind of vibe or the feel from the people there right now? Well, I think, you know, New Yorkers are optimistic. They, you know, we got through 9-11 and I think everyone's just like rooting together. They are really trying hard to be, you know, patient, kind, of course, you know, direct as always. But I think the feeling is optimistic. I mean, it's tough. Look, you know, all the kids are doing homeschool. I have an eight-year-old. So we're all like powering through school at home, which is also really weird and strange and terrible. Um, So, you know, it's, I don't know. We're just trying. I think everyone's just trying their best. Awesome. Um, I do want to back up a little bit and go and talk a little bit about your business so then we can roll into uh, what you're doing strategically now. Could you chat through some of the, 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 the execution that you work on um, with clients? So I know that you do you know, a lot of social advertising, shop, Shopify and e-commerce um, strategies and advertising, you know, everything, your websites, everything from LinkedIn. You're kind of like, basically, if there's a way to run ads, you guys will, will, will help a, a client do that. Could you talk a little bit on the, on the tactical level of what you guys actually execute for your clients? Um, so that way we can then shift into what that looks like now and any changes you're seeing. Yeah, so... You know, I have a I have a client that launched a new product about six months ago, and part of the work with their launch was coming up with their Facebook ad strategy and planning that out, and also then tying that into sort of Christmas, Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, that type of thing. Um, and then I also work with, I mean, there's a few, but I also work with um, a non for profit that does. Um, it's an event, not-for-profit, and they're in LA. And um, basically, essentially, I help them get foot traffic to their events and kind of brand awareness. Um, Oh, wow. So you have a client, do you have a, do you have, are your clients kind of sporadic across the the states or the world or? or, Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, they're actually all remote. I don't, have any clients in New York. So everybody is kind of spread out. Um, I did have a telehealth, well, a telehealth client. I did have a health and wellness client, but they've recently, because of COVID, have had to pivot. And so, you know, that work was put on pause, the work that we were doing with them. How do you acquire client? How do you acquire a client in, in California from New York? What's, what's uh, some, some tips there on, on that? <laughs> You know, it's mostly word of mouth and, um, refer, you know, a lot of my work is referral based because I do try to, you know, I work very closely with the clients, so I don't outsource that much. Um, and so clients, my network is very kind of tight knit. So it's, it's word of mouth mostly. Yeah. You mentioned there's like, there was a group you're a part of, I think we chatted about on LinkedIn, right? Could you maybe talk about that? It, it had a, it had a lot of uh, synergy, and parallels to, to um, Danielle, who we talked to yesterday or a couple of days ago now with the podcast we just put out. Could you maybe chat about that a little bit? Because that was super interesting. Yeah. So I run an organization. Actually, we just sort of became official this last week. Um, it's called Females in Social Media and Digital Marketing. And we're a collective of about 15,000 women. Um, the group started as kind of a Facebook group and now just recently I've shifted to an online platform where I provide content for female digital marketers or, or business owners that are women. Oh, wow. So you created a, you created a Facebook group. It attracted thousands of women 
And yes. then you were then with the new platform, have you been able to monetize that? Like, are they now paying to be to be a part of this group? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. They, they they really are. I mean, ideally, if you came to me and, and said I want to do something similar, I probably wouldn't suggest to do it how I did it because I did it a little backwards. Um, but yeah, it's. It's been really good. The response has been positive. And um, yeah, it's really cool. It's definitely a way that I've been able to kind of pivot my work into something that can, you know, is not so service orientated. Is it more of a, a, sorry, a networking group or is it more from a just learn from each other group? Yeah, it's a learn from each other group, but there's education. Um, I also host workshops, there's sort of free downloads, it's topical, there's job opportunities. So, I mean, networking is, it's kind of a networking group, but it's more of a resource. I would consider it more of an educational resource. Um, I was going to, yeah, I don't want to push too much on the, on the idea that you're profiting off of this thing, but there's obviously a monetization aspect. What was your, super interesting to me right now, because we're, um, we're kind of working on some strategies that are very similar. And we obviously just had that other discussion about a, a similar collective. Um, how did, how did you feel the transition from, you know, just being a Facebook group, which is open, free to join for the most part, um, you can't really gate it on Facebook for, with a payment, but to how was the transition of now saying, okay, ladies in this case um we're going to move this over to this platform and um you know there will there potentially could be some some membership charges uh involved was i would assume that you just spent a lot of time building up value of the group so it was easy but maybe if you could share some insight that would be awesome yeah i mean it was rough i'm not gonna lie like it's it's not you know in the middle of a pandemic you don't necessarily want to start asking people to pay for access to something but i was i was inspired um, by another collective called I Fund Women, and they do crowdfunding. And I could have gone two routes. I could have done crowdfunding and asked the women to donate and you know buy a tote bag or get some other kind of things, and the money would funnel into the business that way. Or I could start you know just rolling already and charge. So I felt like you know I don't these women don't need tote bags right now. They need access to education. I'm giving them that. I've already proven that there's, there's been two years of free content, Facebook Q and A's with experts, um, downloads. And at 15,000 members, this was the other thing we were at 15,000 members and it was growing really fast. So if all you're doing is gating your Facebook group, your free Facebook group with drop an email and we'll let you in, then it's really hard to gauge the quality of the group. Uh So I was thinking, you know, okay, maybe when we get to 20,000, but thank God, I feel like it was a tough decision and there was pushback and I did get a lot of flack, but I felt like for the good of the group and the community, I had to do it. So now I'm able to hire people to help me. I'm able to book, you know, people from my Facebook Q and A's. I'm able to develop more resources. So I do, it it was a hard bandaid to rip off and the timing might not have been optimal, but there's no good time to ask for money really. So, you know, that's what I'd have to, you know, that's what I have to say. There was, there was a lot of negative sentiment from some of the women um, and some of it was fair and some of it was not, but you know, I got, I put it out there and then I just stuck by the decision. 
I'd love to talk about your business because it, it's a very obviously strange time in digital marketing, but with everybody at home. Now, the one thing we all are is, you know, in front of our phones and in front of our computers all day long and people are consuming content at an incredible rate. What's it meant to your business in social media? I'm just curious what some of the things you guys have done with your clients, um, some things I'm sure you probably had to stop doing, some other things maybe you started doing. What were some of the pivots that you guys had to make? you know, during this, this kind of whole crazy time? Yeah, I mean, every client wanted to send a COVID-19 email. So yeah. like, you know. <laughs> I think I got them. <laughs> yes. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of kind of like, do we send this email? What do we need to say? What are people concerned about? Is it too much? So we did a lot of COVID-19 emails. And then we also did kind of COVID-19 addressing what's happening in the client's organization through Facebook and Instagram. So, you know, like, are the employees safe? What they're doing? Is everyone working remotely? How will that impact, you know, if it's a product, how will COVID-19 impact shipping and delivering and all this kind of stuff? So there was definitely some COVID-19 messaging that had to be created. Um, and also, you know, when you're asking people to purchase things, there is some sort of sensitivity around, like, you know, people not having money, losing their jobs, this and that. So definitely working on that messaging. Is there certain verticals that your clients are? Is there something you focus on or is it just um, all, all sorts of wide ranges? Yeah, it's wide ranging. I mean, it's really the work that I do is less niche in terms of the work, but it's more like the clients that I take on are usually fit a specific demographic. Okay. So yeah. it, what are you seeing out there right now in the world of social? And I'm just curious, some trends that um, seem to be working um, and maybe some things that are not working. And, and those are probably different today than it was three months ago. What are some of the things that you're seeing in both the maybe working and not working categories? Yeah. Um, well, social is, you know, social engagement seems up across the board. Now, mm -hmm. I think that could be because people are at home and they're on their phones. They've got nothing to do. Um, you know, Instagram is still doing well stories. I'm sure, you know, you've had other people on, on the show that have said like Instagram stories is where it's at. Um, and TikTok, like TikTok is a really huge, is a huge platform that's just come from nowhere. Um, so I don't have brands that are utilizing it right now. Um, but I definitely think that that's, you know, untapped territory. Yeah, we do. You might not know this, Laura, but we are um, in the midst of a TikTok star in the name of Leyland Diano. Oh, really? Uh, oh, he's I big. You wouldn't know it by looking at him, but he's big on TikTok. Really? Okay. There we go. There's the joke. There's the joke, right? Um, yeah, 230,000 views today. What? Yeah, you kept that so secret. Yeah. I need to know, you know the what, handle. You know what I'm struggling with though is that is the conversion rate from like the views on this one silly video to like followers. I'm not really getting a lot there. So like the rest of my other three videos where I was like really, I put a lot of passion into my message to like, you know, like 400 views or something. It's terrible. Do you, um, do you dance? Are you dancing? No. no. Well, he oh, watches same. somebody dance. I watch somebody, but uh, I'm, yeah, let's, let's not talk about that. It's not, that's, that's it's not what it sounds like. Um, I want to, I, I do, I really want to kind of hyper in on a lot of the tactics that you execute. I'm, I am personally fascinated by this idea of um, 
building groups on social and then figuring out how to monetize them, but provide value. So like I created a, a, a dad's group a few years ago. It's, you know, it's up to 60,000, you know, followers across social, but I've never made the transition over to figuring out a way to monetize it. And I'm interested, you know, you offer that as an actual service to your clients. So do have you ever, or have you worked through a, a, quite a few of those where a client's actually been like, Hey, I want to build out a Facebook group. Um, to, to effectively build our brand? Yeah, so I, just to be clear, so I've only ever built a Facebook, Facebook group for myself. Um, I've never done it for an external client. Um, but if somebody was to ask me that they want to build a Facebook group and it was a client, I would just come from why. And that's sort of the thing that I always ask anyway, when anyone wants to launch anything, it's like, why, why do you want to do this? What is the purpose of this? What's the thought process? How does this add value to what you're already doing? Is it going to be a funnel? And if it is going to be a funnel, what are you doing once the person's in the group to make sure that they're moving through your funnel and, and, and that process ends up in the conversion, whatever your kind of KPI ends up being. But what is that? And why? So anyone can open up a Facebook group. Anyone could bring people into the Facebook group, but what's the purpose in that? And do you need it? And is it pushing people towards your conversion metric? Okay. That's cool. Um, Joel, <laughs> you have something? Or? Yeah, I was just curious um, how you were able to grow it so quickly. What was it, um, what was it about the group that obviously attracted um, women to want to come and join? Um, just curious, your secret sauce there. I, I mean, the secret sauce is really that I was super active in the group. Um, I created a resource for myself because when I started doing digital marketing, I felt that it was sort of a boys club and that there wasn't there wasn't this kind of like, you know, the Gary V's of the world who, you know, I definitely admire. It just wasn't my sort of wasn't my flavor. And so I just thought it has to be an alt an alternative. So I created the group with the intention of just helping myself to connect with other women that were doing digital marketing. And then from there, it started to grow. And um, I just will also say that a Facebook group with intention does take work. You know, I go live every week. I'm constantly in there sort of like promoting things. I'm very active. And so you know, it's, I think for a, a Facebook group to be quality, the person that's creating it or the organize, organization that it's creating it has to also consider that as another piece of content that's an asset to their business. You know, it's interesting because yesterday we had somebody in our podcast that was um, really big on LinkedIn, a real big LinkedIn influencer, and he gave us a lot of really specific information. But one of the things he really stressed was, he said, do not go on LinkedIn for any type of short-term gain. You go on LinkedIn for a minimum of a one to two year kind of return on the investment that you're putting in. And you're just kind of talking the same thing about, you know, the group that you're doing. It's not a, you put it up there and you get a sale the next day. Um, and I'm curious, just your thoughts around this, because, you know, we all deal with clients that think, well, I, I put that ad on Instagram now what? Like I didn't see anything. Like we, nobody called me. What, what, what is your thought on social and using it to kind of grow your business and the amount of, you know, time and energy that it takes? Because I think there's a lot of people that think it's an instant thing. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I, I call that like client education. And I think it's with any marketing process, it's over time and it shouldn't be considered your only sales channel. So it's, it's something that supports your sales channel, but if a business doesn't have any other type of sales activity and is just relying on Facebook or Instagram to be the only way that they are reaching customers, I think that's when the kind of negative experience comes in. So you can't work on it for a month. You have to work on it for a long period of time and have a plan in place and some patience. Right on. I'm, I'm curious. Have- Go ahead, Leyland. Joel's curious, so he can. You finish that question. I got one that's not related to social, so I'll uh, I'll wait. Well, no, this is um, you know one of we we do this podcast, the story behind the business, where we like to talk to people and hear their stories and how they started their companies. And we did a bit of a you know a bit of a shift at the start of this thing to go. Let's just talk to people in all sorts of different industries and see what are they doing or how are they managing. And we've talked to professional football players and people in, that own gyms and and finding out some really really cool stories of some things that people are doing. And so I was just thinking you have this massive group of women out there. Are there any like really cool stories you've heard of the way they've, you know, had to pivot or change in order to adapt to this kind of new reality that we're in? Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of, and this is perhaps why this group is is successful right now is that a lot of the women are looking to improve their education and with time on their hands I would say also like now's the time to drill down on you know learning more things expanding your knowledge also offering your services in exchange for a testimonial or something like that so a lot of the women in the group are you know they're relying on each other to come up with ways to fill the time but also for you know getting tidbits and knowledge and okay how do I do a sales sequence okay how do I design a template in Photoshop how do I improve my Facebook live skills so I would also say just for anyone that is um, you know a small agency like me and maybe the clients are not there right now definitely focusing on the things that you don't have time for or you didn't have time for before you know focusing on those things and you know really working on them and learning them so when Mm -hmm. the market does open up again you have added value so if you weren't doing seo before learn it you know like take some classes spend some time like learn seo you know so i definitely think that although what's happening now is negative uh there are some positives to it also Awesome. Um, okay. So I'm going to back up again. This is outside of the, what we're talking about right now, but I wanted to make sure I got this question in before uh, the end of the podcast is um, you do email marketing, send emails for clients. Do you have a preferred platform for sending emails and why? I think, you know, we've, I've kind of used them all lightly, like active campaign, MailChimp across the board. Do you have a preference in, in like if a client came to you and was like, okay, I need to build a mailing list. Um, or I have an existing mailing list, I need to set up a new, a new platform. Where would you steer them and why? Yeah. Um, so I was a big mail, a MailChimp kind of lady and I use MailChimp a lot, but it becomes very cost prohibitive. So I've actually started using a company called Flowdesk. They're new. Um, they don't have all the integrations that MailChimp does, but the cost is really good and they do integrate with Zapier. Um, I'm, I haven't used ActiveCampaign, 
So I can't speak to that, but I was using MailChimp a lot. Awesome. So Flowdesk was the name of, of that company. Yeah, it's uh, F-L-O-D-E-S-K. Cool. Yeah. We'll definitely and they're new. Out. So I don't, you know, we'll see where they go, but they have a, I believe they have a set price for unlimited amount of audience. So for me, when I was also doing, you know, when my group was growing, it was growing by like, you know, a thousand members a week with MailChimp, the cost was getting insanely crazy. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Laura, I'm curious. We talked off the uh, off the top about just the environment of New York right now, and and how you know crazy it is from what it normally is. Um, one of the things that I'm always interested about is how people are coping and how they're managing themselves. You seem very energetic and very you know positive, and you're still working, and that's fantastic. And I, I'm very curious, what do you do right now living in New York City to manage yourself, your mindset, your brain to kind of, you know, put some of the things out of sight and just kind of still focus on work? Well, I did tell you that I put my makeup on just yep. for this. So this isn't a true representation of how it's been. <laughs> um, but I, uh, you know, I've been, exercise is one of the things. So I bought a exercise bike. It's, the, it's like the poor man's Peloton, but I bought an exercise bike, so I've been doing that. Um, and honestly, I've just been, a lot of my clients have become very good friends, and we've just been kind of like leaning on each other for support. So sometimes I'll get a message from a client that's like, oh my God, I'm having such a hard day, I wanna cry. And I'll be like, no, don't do that. And then we'll just support each other through it. Or I'll send a message that's like, you know, oh my God, like the house is a mess. I can't take it in here anymore. So I, I think really just relying on friendships has been really good and has really helped me because every day is different, I think, uh -huh. in this experience. So like you might have a day where you feel really focused um, and then on another day you might, you know, stare at a spreadsheet for two hours and just be like, I, I'm not doing, I can't get through this. So I think being kind, like just really focusing on like being kind to yourself and to others because everyone's experiencing this situation differently and just, you know, things that would kind of irritate me on a normal work day around work. I'm just not irritated about anymore because at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's just a spreadsheet, you know, they'll, they'll get the numbers at some point, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. I, I think, think that's great advice. Yeah. for sure. Um, do you yeah. normally, I'm, you're, I'm, I'm assuming that's your house. Um, <laughs> if not a really coolly, decorated office do you normally work from home or did you adapt and work from home no you know what I had a I was part of a shared co-working space that right. closed and probably won't open again so I'm kind of like out of an office I don't know what I'm going to do next um and I also don't know how long this homeschool thing will be so it's sort of like I'm working from home until school is back and until I can even take a space if there will even be one. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like there's so many offices in New York and all the co, you know, the WeWorks of the world and all that sort of thing. I don't even know if they'll open again. So it's almost like, you know, the dining room table and the bedroom. I, I work in the dining room table for a little bit. And then in the afternoon, I move to the bedroom and change the scenery. <laughs> I think that's good. Now, yeah. Just curious, because like I was reading today that there are certain states that, are kind of deciding they're gonna just open everything back up again. It seems somewhat arbitrary that they're doing it. What is the the sentiment in New York? Is it just New York is kind of just gonna stay 
on lockdown on indefinitely? Is that kind of the thought? Um, I, I know that, that Cuomo um, is probably moving much slower than other governors. Um, and I don't know if you know it much about New York politics, but he's always kind of skirmishing a little bit with the president. So I think it'll be delayed opening, but we'll just have to, we'll just have to see. Okay. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with a child all summer stuck in the house. I know that much. Like you might have to, Ben, Ben might have to send me wine or something, like a, <laughs> a, a care package. I'll let him know. Let um, him know. Put my request yeah. in. Ben will have to make me happy somehow. Yeah, yeah, he will. Yeah, Leyland and I both have kids from home right now, so we, we understand. My kids are just going, they're just so bored. Uh, they get a bit of work, but it's only an hour or two a day, and so I don't, it's just trying to fill the hours every day with them almost. Yeah. yeah, well, I also, in this kind of like vein of being kind to yourself, you know, when it, homeschool first started, I was so intense about like, okay, you have to do math and you have to do English and you've got to get on Google Hangouts. And then, you know, now I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to get a medal for this. I'm not getting an award for this. Like if mm -hmm. we can do it and it's a cool day, then that's great. And if it's not, it's not. Like there just, there just has to be some like give, give a little bit, you know? Right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're balancing in my house. We're balancing uh, the, the Nintendo Switch uh, time that's being utilized right now because there's a lot of Super Mario being played. Um, but we, um, I think that's probably it for this one. We, uh, we definitely want to thank you for for coming on. This was a conversation we've been chatting uh, mostly this morning about uh, how excited we were to talk, chat with you based on the few LinkedIn exchanges we've had, and of course Ben's conversations with you. He's a huge fan of yours. Just so you know. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. I think this is definitely going to be one that we're going to want to follow up with you. The one thing that we outsiders think of New Yorkers is they seem to be resilient and they seem to bank bounce back from things that have happened there. And so we'd love to talk to you when things get a little bit back more to normal and see, you know, how your business is doing, how life is uh, changing in New York. So thank you very much, Laura, for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And I'll, you know, maybe I'll come to you guys and we'll do it from the helicopter. There you go. Deal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so awesome. much. You. I really appreciate being here with you. Thank right you. on. Thank you, Laura. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye.